Life doesn't always turn out the way you thought it would, and we know that firsthand. We were both homeschooled in a band together called Elmo Whedon, grew up in the Bible Belt of Texas, and raised with fundamentalist Christian values. We both went to Texas A&M University. Whoop! We were both married with children, later divorced, and we've been navigating relationships post-divorce for better or worse, probably worse. I'm crying. As we all know, there is a lot of power in having someone to talk with about what's going on in your life. And that's how this podcast started. Just two friends hashing things out. We don't have the answers, but we are pretty close. Just kidding. We hope these conversations resonate with you as we reflect on the irony, tragedy, comedy, and the oh-so-tangled webs we weave. I'm Cecilia Rhodes. And I'm Joe Hameter. Welcome to Tricky Situations. Recording another podcast. Me too. Episode eight. Are you surviving? I am surviving. In your technical um, abilities. <laughs> that was beautiful, by the way. Yeah, a lot of people know me as kind of a tech whiz, mm. uh, especially with microphones and springed uh, microphone arms. A lot of people know me as not one. That's okay. I'm good at making coffee, though. Yep. So, <laughs> Cecilia, just a little behind the scenes, pretty much every episode, um, we ha- we run into some technical difficulties. I almost <laughs> lose my mind. And I'm I, like, is he going to blow this week? I'm not sure, but I'll just sit back here quietly. And then Cecilia goes and makes me coffee, and then uh, I feel better. So it, it all works out. So, and I'm wearing my daddy hat today. So I always and feel I might get trolled wearing that. <laughs> yes, daddy. So yeah, we're uh, we had a fun time uh, on the last episode with uh, Joel Adams. He was great. Fantastic. The Welshman. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It's, yeah, it's one of our best. I think. Yeah, the sound may be a little different than normal, just because it, uh, you know, it it's a uh, interview and uh, we use Zoom, so for the first time, so yeah, it was it was great though. It was it was awesome to catch up with him and hear about his life. Hadn't talked to him in a while, and I think he had some some pretty good perspective on things. About um, I the thing that stuck out to me was what he was talking about at the end with. Uh, marriage and just basically choosing to be there for someone and love someone and always going off feelings and all that jazz. I think that actually is my favorite too, because (laughs) I'm kind of terrible about that because I don't really have feelings. No, I do have feelings, but they're just like buried so deep down. (laughs) I can't find them. No, um, no, but I love that you know, analogy that he used and that he's like, we can choose it. And he, you know, he's not all about the whole like falling in love analogy um, because it's something that uh, he doesn't want to be an accident. He wants to choose it. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, I thought for it, sure. I thought it was great. So uh, in this episode, we're going to bring in my sister, my younger sister, Anna. Uh, we already done Ano-another one of my younger Another younger sister. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was thinking before we recorded this, if I did if we interviewed every one of my siblings, we would have two months of content, assuming hey, we hey, look at it. <laughs> assuming we least <laughs> released one every week. I like it. You know what? And they have a lot of good to say. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of you guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll work. We'll we'll get there. 
definitely not one. all the same. So yeah, we should definitely bring her in if she's there. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and bring her in. Hey, Anna, how's it going? Hey, guys. Hey. It's, it's good to be with you guys. We're very Thanks excited. Thanks for inviting me here. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate how much you, effort you put into your background and the plants. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, my plant was, was feeling lonely over there in the corner out of the screen, so I had to bring, bring Palmetto over here. So here we are. Is that its name? <laughs> yes, I have many plants, and they need names. Hey, how's this? They feel, they they feel like I'm not being personal and like really recognizing their identity. Mm. So yeah, I, like it. I have to give them names. Yeah. You got to be careful with identity these days. Believe me. Big time. That could be a male yeah. or a female plant. You never know when a hate message yeah. will drop into your inbox. <laughs> hey, so how are you liking the new house? You just moved, right? Yes, it's been about a month. We are settled in, I think. Um, this is my my little space, this room. Love it. I love it. Yep, it's good. It's really nice to be in a place and know that I'm not moving anytime soon. That's really, really, really nice. After moving many, many times, back and forth, back and forth from across the country, it's really nice to have a place to come back and sink into and and just know it's our place for a while. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And what a great community over there too. So, I mean, for yeah. Texas. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. you and your husband, Jack, <laughs> a.k.a. my brother-in-law, Jack, just moved back from San Diego. That is correct. And that is correct. And you've, you seem to fit in perfectly in San Diego because you're <clears throat> doing yoga and you're beautiful and energetic and like to be outdoors. And you're probably going to get paid for your children to be had their pictures taken at some point. So <laughs> how did that feel? Um, how does it feel to be here or to be away? Um, what? To yes. be all those feels, lovely things. <laughs> um, San Diego was amazing. It, it really was. It, it was like my spirit animal, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, everything that I've kind of resonated with in my life, nature, the ocean, just kind of having the free spirit of, of leaving the homeland and being in a new place, um, kind of paving our own way that, that all was part of the picture of San Diego. So it was really awesome. The first time that we were there, um, it was very, very heartbreaking for me to leave the first time we were there for about a year. And then we left, came back to McKinney, Texas for about nine months. And, um, Jack was doing, I guess we would, I would consider it like an internship, learning a different type of law. He's an attorney. Okay. So, and Jack is your husband? Yes. Okay. So he started um, working for his uncle who owns a firm here in McKinney and just learning about the type of law that he does. So he was doing business transactional law in San Diego, which was a little nitty gritty kind of boring. Yeah. So he came here to try it out and that's what brought us back and, um, after about nine months, we, we wanted to give San Diego one more try. So <laughs> we, uh, we packed everything back up and um, 
we went with even less stuff than we can. It was a, the second smallest U-Haul that you can attach to a vehicle. So we, um, we tracked across the United States and landed in San Diego two weeks before a global pandemic hit. Oh. So that was interesting. Nice. Yeah. Y'all, yeah. y'all moved back there, like pretty much right when I was getting here to Texas from Hawaii. So our yeah. similar transition feeling related to COVID. Yeah. 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 It was the strangest timing, but we felt so sure that we were supposed to leave when we did. Um, it was like the third week of February and it was like now or never go or don't ever go. And right. so we just packed up and left and we just, we had just started putting furniture back into our apartment. We actually lived on Coronado Island or it's a peninsula of San Diego mm-hmm. and, um, beautiful, just walking distance from the bay. We could ride our bikes to the beach. It was just, it was absolutely set up to be a dream life. And of course, things never go the way that you plan for them to go. Right. Such is life. It's an so, intro. <laughs> oh man, it is nuts. So we, we were renting a like a two bedroom, two bath apartment for $3,000, almost $3,000. Holy crap, man. So pretty pricey penny, but they had all these amazing amenities. And we were so excited about using this resort style pool and the rental bikes and rental paddle boards on the, on the bay and (laughs) the, the workout facility and the tennis courts and the basketball court. I mean, you name it. Yeah, they had. And it. we were there for two weeks and everything closed down. Even the grills and the little fire pits mm. outside had like caution tape on them. It's like, don't yep. use these. They yep. have so much germs on them. So God forbid. It, yeah, it was, it was a bummer. So we, um, we went through about five weeks of quarantine of everything being locked down. People are nuts in California. And you've got um, small children. Yes. And how yeah, did that so go with five two, weeks of quarantine in an apartment? Um, it was interesting to <laughs> say the least. <laughs> you can only play with Play-Doh and watch Despicable Me so many times. <laughs> so I was feeling very despicable at the end of those five weeks. And <laughs> I was like, the, the tipping point for me was when I got kicked out of a grocery store for not wearing a mask. I had walked there with my two children oh my to God. buy, you know, some basic items and, you know, you're not wearing a mask. You've got they to didn't let you in or they were going to make you leave. Well, they, they told me I could buy some masks. And at that point I was, uh, I was boiling to the, to yeah. the brim. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to leave now while everyone's still safe. live. And, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my children are with me. The virus so. is not the only thing that you're at risk at right now in this moment. Oh, no. There is some serious rage out there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. At that point, we, we actually packed up that night and we left the next day to come to Texas mm. to wait out some of the quarantine. Wow, so, that's yeah. some intense rage. No, I'm just kidding. I'm giving you a hard time, but. Oh, uh, they had it way worse than we did in Texas, that's Hell, for sure. No, they did because I know other people out there and they're like, we were literally like shut down you and oh, yeah. we didn't know at that point how bad it could be you know because yeah. we're just like out doing everything they're like keep six feet this was you know back at the beginning um yeah. so we had no idea and then yeah every, all of y'all were like this is not okay <laughs> not okay the beach are you kidding son- down the beach what who's the, what, i don't shut. even co- comprehend that Fish. yes and, and that was a big thing because I had just started getting into surfing 
which was like a life saving, mm. you know, thing for me. Yeah. And that, that kind of goes back with some other things, but um, they had to close the beach down and it was just starting to get to the point. So the Pacific ocean is normally very cold. Yeah. So it had just started warming up mm. and I mean, it was, it was still pretty cold, but for the ocean there, it was getting warm and, it, and the weather was nice. It was beautiful. People should be outside. Yeah. So they closed that down. Every, everything was closed down. I mean, we could walk on our sidewalk, but we even got, um, like publicly shamed a couple different times for not wearing masks outside. Oh my so, God. Yeah. So yeah. So don't at that get point, me started. I was, Oh, I know <laughs> everyone in Texas was, you know, drinking beers and hanging out and having parties and, yeah. It's like, you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not a my my eldest son was gonna be turning five mm. during that time. And That's right. so that was a big reason why we came back. So we got to celebrate his birthday in Texas mm. and have a big, big outdoor country style water park party. We made our own little water <laughs> slip and slide <laughs> where Joe Joe freely <laughs> was um, holding the, the three-year-old and slinging oh, him down yeah. the water. Definitely Man, I slinging. La- I launched Jasper and Cyrus and really all the kids. So, <laughs> all the so children hard. took a turn. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. So it was nice, but um, tricky situations. Yeah. During, those five, yep. during those five weeks, we, we went from, hey, we're just going to wait out the quarantine, the lockdown, and then we'll go back. And all of our stuff's in San Diego. And during those five weeks, we, um, my husband lost his job at his firm. Yeah. We got on unemployment. Mm. Um, we decided that we were going to move back to Texas and then we, um, drove back there with two babies with two babies and, um, and we bought a house during that time. Wow. So all of the crazy unexpected things happened in a very short amount of time. Wow. As they do. It's the ultimate life stack. I kind of found that life, life tends to happen that way. It's typically doesn't, it won't, it won't normally be like one Mm -hmm. change at a time. It, it, it kind of just feels like, you know, when it rains, it pours, like all this stuff can kind of happen at the same time. So it's a cliche, but it's actually, there's a reason it is a cliche because it's true. (laughs) <laughs> well thanks so much for coming Absolutely. on we're we're stoked to so uh exciting. to have you so um as you yeah. know i know you've listened to some of these episodes we're pretty much just trying to uh connect with people um you know we're we're all kind of raised the same way and so we we just want to hear everyone's uh own unique perspective about how they were raised and how uh, the the way that they were raised impacted their life, um, how they kind of dealt with things growing up in a specifically conservative fundamentalist type homeschool world, and then how they managed to become a normal adult after mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but is there what constitutes normal? Yeah, exactly. We're on the same page. Uh, right. Not homeschoolers typically, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but look, we both were homeschooled. We're kind of okay. Yeah. Maybe I don't know for normal though. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, uh, <laughs> it, it, typically, if you meet somebody and and you tell them that you're homeschooled, they go, "What? Oh, well, I never would have thought that." I, yeah, like exactly. There, there's that kind of assumption that mm-hmm. you know you're like the make, see the homeschool thing is, is oh, 
Oh yeah, it's coming back though. It's coming back with a it's, uh, big it's time. Real, real, real strong right now. Doing it and loving it. My favorite part is I was like, I will never effing homeschool. And I tried to homeschool <laughs> my my oldest. I tried to homeschool her in kindergarten. If you can't homeschool a kindergartner who's learning like A says ah, B says like there's a problem. I couldn't do it. I was like, nope, this is not for me. (laughs) No, No, because you're trying to teach the alphabet to a gymnast who's jumping off your couch onto your neck. That's challenging. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And we're going to dive right into all that for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, Man. So I think when you say normal, what I think you're trying to say is stable. Ah, good job. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or just, you know, like adjusted into well adjusted society as a whole outside of the bubble of um conservative christian christianity homeschool world all that kind of stuff like absolutely yeah you you are obviously functioning as a stable adult and you don't need your mammy barely but you you navigate the difficulties of life (laughs) all right so let's start from the uh start from the beginning tell us a little bit about um how you were how you were raised how really we were raised how were we raised um joe's already told his side of this well (laughs) he's told the story so there's there's a good chunk of, of background that i don't need to go over but um essentially i mean my take on it is probably a bit different than yours obviously we're different people um it's interesting though because we're both eights on the Enneagram, little plug, we'll come back to that. We're both eights, so it's it's kind of interesting to think back on our childhood and some different headbutting situations where we we didn't quite get along, realizing, okay, you know, I don't know, it's interesting because I never thought Joe would be an eight. Mm -hmm. Of course, as an adult now, he seems different than he was as a younger version of himself. He's a lot more subdued. I agree submissive and now he's just his own individual interesting self so um (laughs) um, so i yeah being raised in a home uh with yeah fundamentalist christian values was fine and everything um it's hard it's really challenging this has been the hardest part thinking about sharing on the podcast Mm. is sharing my story in a way that still honors others, still honors those that are in my family, those who, um, who've kind of gone before, who didn't do things perfectly, but you know, like my parents honoring mm-hmm. them and in a way that I'm still able to be honest and real with my story, but not, um, I, I guess I just want to come at an angle that is, um, considerate of, of them. So uh, let's, we'll see how this goes, but, um, growing up in our family being homeschooled and having, um, a bit of home chaos would be the best way to put it. Mm. Right. Um, just not, not a lot of consistency. So we kind of just never really knew what each day would bring. Um, Our parents were very much on the side of um, natural medicine. You don't go to the doctor unless there's pieces of your insides that are on the outsides. 
that can't be stitched up with yeah. a butterfly band-aid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even then, still pretty you know. natural solution. <laughs> you might try, try it. <laughs> yeah. I've got, a, I've got about a two-inch oh. two inch scar on my leg that suggests an, Otherwise. a natural treatment. <laughs> it's all right. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no immunizations, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Very just plain Jane, kind of under the radar in a lot of ways, uh, governmentally speaking. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so off the grid a bit. We lived out on 10 acres, so most of my childhood was very free-spirited, which is nice for me because I'm a seven wing. So mm-hmm. being able to just use my imagination and go off go off mm-hmm. into my land of my mind mm-hmm. and um, and just imagine what, what could be or what is. Can I jump in here real quick? Up in my mind. Yeah. I don't know if anyone really yet knows much about the Enneagram, but I will say, so if you're an eight with a seven wing, basically that is the most unique, pretty much one of, if not the most unique, one of the most unique numbers that you can have. And they are an extremely intense person. So I was just learning about, they are, they're, they're literally one of the most intense, unique people that you could ever come across. So FYI. And those 10 acres that she grew up on, I grew up on before her. So it's pretty funny. The tangled webs we leave. They are. And oh. and it's like, it is kind of <laughs> magical, right? It's like this weird little, like, you feel like, as when you think back on your childhood, and I don't know if you feel exactly the same way, but felt like I had this most amazing childhood, right? We had a lot of freedoms and running around, running amok and doing all these things or whatever with but then you get become an adult and you're like, wait a second, what, what happened? <laughs> Anyhow, that's but it. an yeah, eight, that's an it. eight with a seven wing is one of the most unique people you can come across. Of. So anyhow, proceed. They're called, they're called the Maverick. I yes. did not know that. Yes. I'll have to look into that. I've that's just, cool. just learned this like in the last month or so. Yeah. Maverick daddy. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't wait, know. Wait, 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 wait. Are you a seven wing? <laughs> no. I, I no are idea. you? Okay. I don't know. I guarantee you he's You not. think he's a, no, I think he's a nine wing, isn't I he? I think my wing is dad bod. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not always quite. it's always kind of lurking around. <laughs> Anyhow. Gee, gee. And oh goodness. You're amazing. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're amazing too, Cecilia. Thank you. Um, okay. So yeah. So in a way that childhood was awesome mm. because I climbed trees. Yes. I learned how I, I almost like self survival, you know, not like I was learning to like feed myself grub worms <laughs> and stuff to survive. But, but you could have, you could have, I could have, I mean, self-sustaining. I, I became very independent and that's my personality, I think naturally, but I learned um, incredible work ethic growing up in our family. Yeah, we were absolutely. basically trained to um, obey the first time immediately when our dad told us to do something. And so we were very quick, very, um, I just remember <laughs> we would be out in like a field playing mm-hmm. and it, it could be any time of the day, any hour, my dad would blow his like little finger whistle Mm -hmm. thing. He'd put his fingers in his mouth and blow this really loud whistle that could be heard from Mm -hmm. miles away. 
And it was like, you know, the bunnies with the ears pop up and we're like, <laughs> stop what you're doing. Run as fast as you can. Do not stop until you get home. And wow. <laughs> it was like adrenaline surging through your body and you're like, Oh, it's I, dad. I, I got to go. make it home. Don't trip. This, this is get back this is to it. the trailer. <laughs> oh, oh, so, mm. um, yeah, so I don't know. I just remember my childhood being a lot of being outside. And I think there's, there's just such a deep part of me that connects with the outdoors because mm. it was a, it was a place of solace for me Ooh, as a child yeah. to go into the woods and, um, you know, create paths, cut down trees, just do things very um, tactile with my hands and my body and sweating and moving. And, and it really fits into to what I do today. Yeah. But um, it, it really helped create a safe place for me because um, there, was, there was a lot about being at home that felt unsafe. Yeah. And I couldn't really articulate that as a child, right. obviously. As an adult, I realized... I wanted to be away often mm. because we just weren't sure what to expect when my dad was around. Um, and um, I think that as all parents who, you know, being a, being a parent, I know that they, they really did try with the resources that they had and, and what they knew they tried and they really did their best, I think of what they could. And, um, you know, we all fall short. And yeah. so just as a, as a parent dealing with my own issues with um, anger and um, dealing with my past and that coming out on my children, there's been so much more grace and understanding for yeah. my parents and maybe what they walked through as children and never dealt with and then brought upon us because they didn't know they were being triggered every day. Exactly. Children. <laughs> I think that's a key thing um, to remember as, um, I don't know, or maybe it is just when you become a parent and you're like dealing with your own stuff and then you're like, Oh shit. Like maybe my parents went through some really hard stuff and I don't even have a clue. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, like my life is affected by that, but you know, they did the best they could. And now I'm yeah. going to do the best I can and hope that you're not screwed up completely, you know? So, yes. yeah. Well, yes, as a kid, really too, interesting. yeah, as a kid too, you, I don't know, you kind of just, you don't really think of yourself as somebody that makes a lot of mistakes. You're like pretty idealistic. <laughs> so if uh-huh. you perceive somebody not doing things the way that you're, a 13 year old self would imagine they should be done then you you know right. you kind of look at things <laughs> through that lens through that young lens yes yes absolutely um i feel like i'm being kind of ambiguous but i don't i don't know it's okay it's a good way to be actually i think okay i think okay. it's a good way to be cool if any of you have ever read i'm going to reference a lot of books please do. I like to read so um there's a book called educated and it's um gosh i'm forgetting her name now but um it was the first book she ever wrote and she actually went to harvard but she grew up in the woods um can you still see me i'm typing yeah yeah no we can see you okay it's educated by it's a memoir by tara westover it is phenomenal it is phenomenal and it's a story about her, um, 
her life growing up, she actually grew up Mormon, but, um, she, her parents were like, her dad basically was a little bit psychotic and, um, delusional, but he kind of brainwashed their large family into believing that the, the Gestapo and like the government was out to get them. And so they created bunkers and, you know, like stockpiled food and gold and, Um, They never used medicine and um, just this kind of crazy chaotic life. And their dad would, one of her brothers in the, in the book, his leg got, um, they like worked for their, the dad's business um, collecting scrap metal. And one of the guy's legs got like half cut off and set on fire by something that happened in the scrapyard. And they just put his leg in a bucket of water and then just like put oils, essential oils on it for like, six weeks and they never went to the doctor did it, did it wait, stories wait, like that wait wait did this leg survive the leg survived <laughs> it's nuts well anyway the mom ended up kind of being a little bit of like a witch doctor but wow. it's just a fascinating story and i resonated with it so much and and you know obviously her story is very different from mine but very similar threads of just really interesting perspective on life being in a little little tiny bubble and and not really getting outside of that bubble much and being a little bit isolated and thinking i guess this is normal Mm. and i guess you know being being talked to this way is normal or being treated this way is normal um and then you get outside of that and become an adult and start getting in other realms of people who are doing Mm. life differently and a little bit more healthy and you realize, oh my goodness. And so you, you know, as you become a more mature adult, you start realizing these things that you experienced and it starts to become this like living thing inside of you that right. has to come out, you know, and if you don't deal with it, it starts to wreak havoc in every area of your life. And, um, and so, you know, that book talks a lot about her journey and the big part of it was that they homeschooled, but they didn't really they gave her books to read and that was basically it. Wow. And um, so she ended up on her own, one of her brothers actually had gone to college before her, but it was like, he was one out of like seven that went to school Wow! and he encouraged her to go. She ends up going and through this series of like overcoming these obstacles ends up going to Harvard. That's great. And then she writes this book and it's phenomenal. It's her first book she ever wrote. And um, all you listeners out there, please go read it, support her. She's amazing. So it's incredible. Anna, how did you find out about this book? Um, I was having a conversation with someone in a car ride and I, I just, we just organically started talking a little bit and she asked me some things about my childhood and um, somehow it came out that I I never really got properly educated. Mm -hmm. And um, she was like, your story really reminds me of this book that I recently educated. And it took me a couple of months to find it. And eventually I did. And I would not put that thing down until I was done with it. It took me about three days to read it. I think it's about like 250 pages or 300 something. I don't know. It's a pretty thick book. I've got to tell so my sister about it because I think she could appreciate it. You know? Oh, it's, so. yeah. It's fascinating. I'm, Anyways. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I, I share that story about that that woman's childhood because that has been probably the largest part of me coming out of my homeschooled, I kind of jokingly say no schooled um, (laughs) childhood 
because um, so much of the the Enneagram eight is is the need to control into into feel um, kind of have the ability to do things on their own, the independence and the autonomy and not being educated. I felt like there was a, um, I don't know. Something missing. Enormous obstacle Mm. in my life. Yes. And it, and it, that, well, actually I remember having issues with math early on and just stopped doing it. And Mm. so I, I started um, trying to get back into college a couple probably like six years ago. And I was at probably like a third grade Mm. level of math. Mm -hmm. And I felt so ashamed and so humiliated. And I believed for the longest time that I had a learning disability Mm. because I remember trying to learn math with my dad and I couldn't understand it. And he got so angry. Um, I I just believed that I had this this learning disability and then Mm. it led into it, that kind of side of my brain, I think, of spatial awareness, I would get lost driving around mm-hmm. town that I had lived in my whole life. Yeah. And um, of course, the GPS on the phone, the smartphones came out. So thank God, <laughs> I was saved from getting lost coming home from work. <laughs> so just like finding these major disconnects in my actual brain mm. was really interesting and challenging. And now as I've as I've absorbed all this information about trauma and, and um, just different aspects of the mature, the brain as a child growing and maturing, what happens to the brain when you mm. live in constant survival for so long, what it does to your body and how exactly. it inhibits your prefrontal cortex developing properly and your ability to think critically and make decisions and, and have spatial awareness and remember things. So, um, yeah, I've just, the last couple of years, I've been on this incredible journey of discovering things about my own self, um, that have really helped overcome some, some major challenges that I've had Mm -hmm. in parenting and, and just being a human in general. I wanted to uh, point out or uh, say something. Um, I think that's, um, you know, kind of the root of why we do this podcast is so that other people can hear others' experiences. Like yourself. Yeah, I think that's a great example because, I mean, I I felt the same way when I went to, when I um, was trying to get into college. Hmm. You know, it was never really in the books or like predetermined that I was going to go to college um, until family and friends kind of started pushing me in that direction. And I I had the exact same experience as you. Um, I didn't do a lot of uh, school in, in the context of what people would think that homeschoolers do. Um, I did a lot more labor Um, (laughs) But then by the time I, you know, was trying to get into blend the community college here and in college station, I mean, I, I basically just barely made it 
into community college, mm. which is saying mm. a lot because they will freaking take anyone. And, <laughs> oh, um, Joe. You don't have to say that. Right. No, that's the truth. Um, <laughs> and, and I got in and I started at the bottom. I mean, math, yeah. I was take, I had to take two yeah. or three remedial math classes. Well, like I'm talking starting yeah. at fractions. Hey, and I had to take two remedial math classes. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. Uh, but you know, if it's just kind of an example of like hearing that other people have, have gone through that same thing. It, if you didn't know what other people's experiences were, you would just think you were an idiot, you know? And, uh, oh, yeah. which is exactly what, I mean, I thought. Yeah. But the funny thing was, is that when I got into blend, I realized that I wasn't an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I just needed to catch up a little bit. And I turned out to be a lot smarter than most of the people that I knew. So, no, that's what I was actually going to say, Anna, yeah. earlier was when you were talking about the math thing. So I struggled with it myself. I had to take two remedial math classes. But the thing is, you're either a science and math person or you're not, whether you're homeschooled or you're public or private, all that. It's it's the creation of who you are, your personality, your brain. Not that there can't be structure, of course. I felt the same way. Uh -huh. I felt like we were more on that, like, ebb and flow. My sister didn't learn to read till she was eight years old or maybe nine. I, we'd have to ask her, but my parents did um, with her. It was like, there was a whole um, kind of thing. Oh gosh, I can't remember what it was called. But there was like this idea out at that time of like, you're going to let the child learn on their own pace. Right. So they just said, she'll learn to read. Now, let me tell you this though. This is, this is the kind of funny thing. <laughs> I went to kindergarten. Uh, I went to private school in kindergarten. The rest was, I was homeschooled. So I learned to read at five, four or five years old. Right. My sister didn't learn to read till eight or not, like really read till she was eight or nine. My sister is phenomenal when it comes to write, like reading, writing, spelling, anything that comes to that. She's amazing at she did that. She did an entire thing like on her quote own, like my parents, you know, did with her. And I learned and I freaking can't hardly spell cat. So, you know, so I don't know. But at the same time, I, you know, I understand that feeling because I went, I had this desire to be a vet, right? I'm like, there's no effing way I'm going to get into Texas A&M vet school. And I didn't do it. And I did go to A&M later in life, but it was that same feeling of like, no way. And I had to go back and take remedial math at the community college uh, before I got into AM, you know, and, and I did, and it's fine. And, and a lot of people do. It's not like we're the only ones, but I know that feeling for sure. So, yeah. yeah. I think so much of, as I thought about this podcast, kind of the overarching message, or I don't know if message is the right word, but longing perhaps yeah. that I've had and that has spurred on my journey and that I think most people are on is just finding their voice and finding their, their place in the world. And, um, that's, that's been a huge drive for me is I, I, because of the way we were raised, there was no back talking. There was, there was really no space to voice your opinion or have a different idea from the, the authority. 
And for me, that was so challenging. It actually got me in a lot of trouble as a kid mm. because I would question things. And, and it wasn't out of a place of rebellion. It really was truly out of a place of a desire to understand and to learn. Mm. And I wanted to get behind the thinking of yep. the authority because I longed to be in that place of authority. I longed to like lead and um, having that voice muffled and, and essentially turned off as a child now as an adult, um, I'm realizing and in kind of my Christian circle that I have operated in for a long time, there's been many people who have spoken things to me in essence of that, that I have, I have a voice that I have things to mm -hmm. share and, and my words are powerful. And, um, the message that I have to share, it will be transformative and powerful for those who hear and and so I think so much of um, how God has been transforming me over the last few years is really honing in on what is that message to share, because it's like everybody has a message inside of them that they yeah. want to share with the world, right? Absolutely. So I think a big part of my journey is realizing, okay, there's a message in there. Oh my gosh, I have a voice. Oh, I can... I can actually use my words and articulate things and people may listen and, and maybe they'll benefit from what I say yeah. or maybe they'll agree with what I'm saying and not just shut me down. And that is incredibly powerful. It's kind of finding that like internal self, um, the self power. I don't mm -hmm. really know what you would call it, but, um, confidence. Yeah. When did you first learn about yeah. say like the Enneagram or your personality type and how did you accept it? Were you accepting of it? Were you like, Oh, Oh my God. Cause when I really learned about mine and I've done multiple things, I've done Enneagram, I've done the Myers-Briggs and I was just like, Oh my God, I'm not a freaking like weirdo. Like, uh, this is, there are, there might not be a lot of people like me, but there's people out there like me, you know? And you, I mean, I've brought myself, my own self to tears going like, Oh, okay. I thought I was just crazy, but I'm not. So, you know, on uh -huh. your, when you're saying how you felt as a child versus like, you know, wanting to be in that place of leadership, but you couldn't, but then you come into it as an adult and then you find out like, how long was it before you found out and what was your feeling behind that? And then also in correlation, say to your husband or to your children, or, you know, how would you incorporate that into your family life? I guess I say, or, or how does all that yeah. play out? Should I say? Absolutely. Um, I was first introduced to the Enneagram, I think about four years ago, and um, it was really fascinating to begin to understand what it was all about. And, and it actually helped me understand some of my siblings and my parents as well, but just because I kind of like, oh, okay, I think that's kind of how my dad is, and I'm actually a lot like my dad. And I'm thankful for the qualities that I get mm -hmm. from him, of just the drive and the, the confidence and that kind of thing. But um, as I've learned about my type, um, the, the type eight, I actually, I tied with the seven and the eight. They were the same score <laughs> on the test. And I read about the eight because it was at the top. Mm -hmm. It was like the same score for eight and then the seven. So, okay, well, I'll go read about the eight. And immediately I was like, ah, oh, no, no. No, no, that is not me. Mm -mm. I'm not a bulldozer. I am not intimidating and, and rageful. Nope. 
So, so I, I actually Annie. wrote a blog, I wrote a blog, blog post that someone invited me to write, to, sorry, someone invited me to write a blog post about specifically my Enneagram type in motherhood. And I chose to be a seven. Wow. And I was like, well, technically I'm both, technically I'm both. <laughs> and so I went at the angle of a seven because it felt a lot more joyful and, and like happy-go-lucky and fun <laughs> and creative. And I was like, I love that side of myself. But the eight side is sort of, I, I feel like I look at it as sort of the shadow side it of my, is. my personality. Yeah. Uh. And <laughs> in, because, because for so long, it's been it, that side it's of negative, it has been right? really unhealthy. Yeah. Yes. So now that I'm learning about it and what it actually can be in a healthy, mm-hmm. in a healthy place right. when it's matured and has had some integration of self. It's um, like me. Yeah, <laughs> like Joseph. Exactly. Tactful, I love kind, considerate. Okay, let's not go to the kind side. I'm not sure Joseph is kind. <laughs> I'm just getting easy. Here's the cool thing. If there's any eights out there listening who feel discouraged about their personality, um, because the, you know there's a lot of eights out there. There's a lot of leaders out there who, and I think a lot of people are actually like morphing into eights, Mm -hmm. if if that's even possible. No. Yeah. In the, in the generation that we live in where it's take charge, do things on your own, go out there, create your own business, do your online blog, do your online, whatever it's. Do your own podcast. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, uh, what was I going to say? You were talking about the need for eights in that eights are awesome. They're, oh, here we are. They're not yes. just carrots. Thank you. <laughs> so eights in their healthy sense, and I'm not going to go too deep into the Enneagram. Gotcha. I have done some extensive learning about the Enneagram. If you've ever listened to Richard Rohr, he's actually- Love Richard Rohr. But he Great does thing. a phenomenal job. He's Yeah, he's like the top leading one of the original guys who taught on the Enneagram years ago. Fascinating, phenomenal, yeah. very long-winded, but very thorough. Long-winded, so but that time. that thoroughness is like what helps you understand yourself. Yes, <laughs> just and saying. It brings you to some intense, deep revelations that it, it's part of that integration mm-hmm. of self. Yeah, exactly. When you find out those things, those aha moments, yep. where the shadow side of you connects with the other, and you, you find this acceptance with all of the parts of yourself. Exactly. Instead of rejecting the shadow side, you're accepting it, and and that makes all the difference in the world of becoming an integrated person who Good. can also have compassion and see other people, mm-hmm. and and not just immediately judge them or put them in a category. So, um, eights can and do often in their healthy state go to a, go to a two mm-hmm. and the two is the helper and there's very compassionate understanding people and mother Teresa actually was an eight but yeah. she very often thought to be a two because of her her life you know work is sacrificing so herself for others so that encourages me deeply to know that I have the potential inside of me to not be a rage monster but to Joe, be, go to um, your two, go to your two. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we just need to say to each other, Joe. Go to your two. Go, go to your two. two. Come on, daddy. Come on, daddy. Go to your two. Go to your two, daddy. <laughs> you okay. go to the corner and take your two time, okay? Yeah, there you go. I love um, it, but that's because, so true, Anna. It's so good. 
Because so actually twos, that- yeah, twos drive me insane, but a healthy two does not. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So bringing that all together in real life scenarios, um, being an eight, um, being the person that I am having the past that I had coming into marriage at 21, feeling relatively confident. I had been put in some ministry opportunities to lead some different groups and that, you know, that was part of my voice being heard and I, you know, I could speak and they would listen and I had valuable things to say. And so I went into marriage feeling like ready and I'm, I'm awesome. I've got this. I was running my own, um, hair business. So Mm -hmm. I, I had regular clients. I was running my own schedule and a year into marriage, I really felt like there was just this separation of Mm. myself that I I could not reconcile. There's the side of me that was that seven side, very happy, go lucky, ready for anything, excited to have people in my life, very outgoing, very charismatic. And then the shadow side where I would, I would just switch almost like schizophrenic. I would just switch into this angry, I will give you the death glare, get out of my way, do not interrupt me, kind of take control sort of side Mm -hmm. that was alarming, but it wasn't until I had children that Mm -hmm. it really became frightening. Right. And, um, you know, I, it's interesting because out in the blog world and the mommy blog world, you really don't hear a lot about moms saying like, well, today I raged against my children (laughs) and it was really great. And then we made muffins, you know, (laughs) that's not in those highlights. That's for sure. There are a few accounts out there that I've come across, but they're pretty raw and they, you know, post pictures Mm -hmm. of their face. They've been crying, you know, that's in what's frustrating about out there. Yeah. And what's frustrating is a lot of times when, when moms do post stuff like that and you get all these haters on there and they're saying all, I don't know, it's just got a bunch of bullshit and it makes me angry because I'm like, I don't get it. And maybe they're not these harder numbers or these heavier numbers. So, you know, personality wise so they maybe they're just perfect i don't know but i'm like real life yeah i'm like real life is i freaking am gonna kill somebody hopefully Mm -hmm. not really but you know you feel like you're like okay i gotta separate myself from the situation so no one gets killed right yes and absolutely yeah and then and then if you do you know you I don't know. It, it's, it's intense. And, and it's the thing is other parents feel this way, but very few, like he said, actually admit it. And then if, you know, and then I'm going, well, when they do, then they get like, you know, you can see all this like hate, you know, the hate they get on the, the IG or whatever it is. So, you know, but I think it's important to admit this kind of stuff because this, this is real life. This is real life. This is real real stuff mm-hmm. and it it's hard to to go to that place because I think we so often create a narrative and it's a self-protective um, oh yeah strategy to to have this narrative inside that says well it really wasn't that bad mm-hmm. or well no I, yeah. I, I did that well uh, I mean the child deserved it or whatever the narrative <laughs> is <laughs> 
or, you know, or there's, or there's this incredible shame narrative mm. and that's huge. Yeah. And, and that's to, to stuff it down and hide it and act like it didn't happen yeah. or don't talk about it. And, and a lot of what our generation, our generation or our parents' generation was very much shame based. Oh, don't talk about, time. don't talk about this, the, the family secrets and the things that we don't ever talk about, we don't ever share. And um, a huge part of my growth as an adult has been um, getting into that place, into that mind space where I can kind of separate myself from the things mm. of my past and the mm. things that I've experienced and realize, okay, it's not still affecting me because that was in the past. And here I am now, even though I'm freaking out and my, like every, all my circuits are going off and to really put things on the table and say, okay, this is what, this is what I'm thinking right now, or this is what I'm dealing with, or this is some intense anger and mm -hmm. unforgiveness and hate that I have towards this person and what they did to me. Mm. And so huge, huge part. Um, here's a book. Yeah. Freedom through Those. forgiveness. Who's that so, um, this is, this is actually a local guide to San Diego. So I got this book when I lived in San Diego, but it, the, the premise of that is essentially what I started doing when I was about 18. Um, mm. I started going to a charismatic church. Wait, what's it called? Freedom. And what? this is called freedom through forgiveness. It's a little tiny book. It's actually like a prerequisite to some um, ministry heal inner healing um, stuff that you have to read that before you go through the ministry. But um, so when I was about 18, I, I met a woman who kind of took me under her wing and mentored me and, um, she started teaching me about forgiveness and I began going through systematically writing down all the people and all the different things that had happened to me and anyone and everyone and anything that I could think of mm. that I had held on to unforgiveness in my life. And she walked me through talking to that person, writing a letter to them. If I have to, if wow. I can't say, say their name out loud, write a letter to them going through and forgiving them and wow. releasing them because they were no longer hurting me, but I was giving them the power to, because I had unforgiveness. And so I started doing that pretty, pretty often. I met with her once a week for about two years and we missed very, very few meetings. Um, we'd meet for about an hour and we'd go through that. And so from 18 to 20, I did some deep, internal inventory and there were some people that I talked to in person and said hey I want to repent to you for for you know holding this thing against you or, mm -hmm. or doing this thing and I never came back to you and said I'm sorry and um beginning to get this internal freedom and it just opened up everything inside of me mm -hmm. I was so clammed up before that and angry and bitter and just hateful it was truly hateful and do you think that goes um, back to your childhood or Absolutely. Okay. I had so much anger because I wasn't, I didn't feel seen or heard mm. and, and it would just come out in all sorts of rage ways when I was yeah. a kid. I mean, I, the one memory that always comes back to me as a child that one of my siblings reminds me of, and I feel like now that we're adults, he's mentioned it a couple times. And I, I think I need to make like a public apology to him for it because he's mentioned it. I'm like, I think he's still holding on to that. 
but um, he didn't do what I wanted him to do right mm. when I wanted him to do it. And I gut punched him in the stomach. Mm. And apparently, I don't remember this, but I poured a gallon of water on his head after oh. that. I don't remember that part. But it just goes to show you when you're in that rage state, like you don't. your amygdala takes over, you don't even really remember what right. you do. Yeah. It's almost like you don't have control. So um, that was that in a nutshell is kind of would be basically what I would do at any given moment. I would blast off and just be in complete rage and anger about something or someone. And it would, you know, I'd cool down and forget about it later. But when I started meeting with this woman, it, it was like, I felt joy for the first time in my life. I felt happy. Mm -hmm. I felt light. And at the time I was going through hair school and I was working at Starbucks. This is before you had gotten married or. Yeah, this was, this was the the two years, kind of two and a half years before I got married. This was sort of that healing pre-healing before I did like a lot of deeper, more intense layers of healing after getting married. Um, I mean, I just remember scenarios of people saying really horrible things to me. And in the past, I would have just, I don't know, said something really mean or started crying or something, (laughs) some kind of explosion. And instead, I would just bless them, you know, bless them in my heart or just smile at them and say, I'm really sorry you feel that way or whatever. And that was just that, that was a night and day experience for me to go from rage monster to like very joyful. So that was a huge, huge step in my, my growth. Um, and I continued going to that church and leading small groups and um, um, continuing to be mentored and just growing in community with people who were healthy. And that was really the first time in my life I was seeing families that were healthy. I was mm-hmm. seeing young, young people encourage each other. Um, when it would be someone's birthday, we'd get in a circle and all say things that we love about that person and what we see in them that, that kind of calling out the gold in them. Mm. And that kind of culture changed me really did. And so fast forward a couple of years, get married, go, you know, Wait, j- just a second. Before yeah, you- yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> well, but before you go forward, I, I was glad that you kind of mentioned that whole process because I was I was going to uh, bring up that I remember kind of around that time, like I remember for a while it seemed like you were pretty gnarly and um, <laughs> very cute. Gnarly. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I mean, I just I remember because I mean, jo- uh, Johanna had this kind of thing for a while when when she was a lot a younger. She was kind of like the roast queen. She would, uh, she would just, you know, you remember oh, her Johanna. doing that kind of stuff. She would just kind of like, basically, like completely berate someone at like six years old and be like, "You're a roach head, bucket monster, or something." Like she would have like fifty words that she would just kind of like rattle off and just kind of like desecrate somebody in that roast fashion in um you weren't like that but there was there were some kind of similarities in t- in terms of uh you know you had that kind of ability to just like go off on someone and uh oh yeah and so i remember yeah like i remember that but then i remember when you eventually moved out um pretty, it was like pretty soon after that i noticed that huge transformation in you where you weren't really like that at all 
And I don't know. I mean, I knew at that time that you were meeting with your mentor and that that was having like a huge impact. <laughs> but um, I don't think that I ever knew that you went through that book or that process specifically of uh, forgiving people and stuff. So it was um, interesting to hear that because I, I definitely noticed the change. I didn't know like specifically what the the kind of tool or the vehicle was to like get you there, you know? So that's interesting to hear about. That was a game changer. It really, really was. And, and not only did she walk me through that, she actually equipped me with the tools to be able to do that. Anytime mm, a situation came up awesome. where I started having the knee jerk reaction about someone, that's when I knew, okay, I'm holding on to some bitterness here about this person <laughs> or this situation. And so she gave me just a couple questions and it was really a, going into that place with the Holy Spirit and listening and teaching, she taught me to, to quiet myself and to listen to the voice of God. And that changed everything. I mean, for someone who's such a high, strong, fast paced mind is all over the place to be able to come into a place of stillness and listen to the voice of God and, and realize he actually wants to talk to me. He actually loves me. Wow. He enjoys spending time with me. He's a real real being. Mm. And I, I can, I sense words or I sense scriptures come into my mind or, or pictures and it just clicked. And it was, that's where the transformation happened. It wasn't any magical words that she would say. She would direct me to the Holy spirit and allow God to do the healing in me. And I just remember sitting in her house or at a coffee shop and we would do it at a coffee shop. And I'd be like, I don't care who's around. I'm bawling my eyes out. God's speaking to me. I'm quieting my, my mind and my heart. And I would share, you know, a situation that happened with someone that really hurt me. And she would say, um, I'm trying to remember the exact questions that she gave me, but she would say, um, God, where were you in this mm. moment? And so I would listen and I would wait. And she would sit there and wait. She wouldn't say a thing. She wouldn't say, did you hear anything? She'd wait and she'd give me wow. all the time that I needed. And every single wow. time wow. God would show up and he would speak and I'd get a picture in my mind. I'm very visual. I'm very artistic. I like music, I like art. Um, so God speaks to me often in, in pictures and also dreams when I sleep. And I would get these vivid image, Im images in my mind. And it, it would be almost as if, you know, when you have a dream, at night you're sleeping and you wake up and it's like it affects it's you happening deeply. i don't know if yes that's how yeah, that's how it felt for me so being able to have those tools of going to that place of getting that healing mm. um it, it's like you can sit with a counselor and i'm not saying counselors don't help they absolutely do and i've had experience with counselors but going into that place with the holy spirit that's where it takes you from religion into relationship that's where it takes you from following rules into this actually changes my life. This changes my countenance. This changes the way I interact with other people. And, um, and so I've really taken that and I've used that since that was eight, nine years ago. Okay. So unless so. Joe has a question, I've got a couple. Do you have any? <clears throat> Probably what I have. Go, Go ahead. for it. Okay. <laughs> Joe's like, I won't cut you off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
a couple questions and again answer what you want whatever you don't want to no worries um one you grew up the way you did you had a lot of you know difficulties things that you had to overcome etc you still believe in god at this point uh i know the public does not and this is what i was going to say is um so you you go start going through these things you go through this you get married um and this is what I'm saying. If we need to cut out, we can. Um, so you lose a son. You have a son. You lose him. How did you not turn but your back on God during that time? If I can ask that mm-hmm. question. Because you yeah. seem to like come through all this. In, or was it that your childhood prepared you to walk through that? I think there's a good mix of both. Um <clears throat> And I don't mind that you asked me that. Um, certainly my childhood helped create some, some tenacity and some um, longevity for hardship, okay. I guess you could say. Yeah. And um, I guess I just learned to cope with, with pain and with trauma. And so, um, really what, what, what people naturally do and what I did was just wall off my emotions and cut my emotions off and just keep plowing through and doing what I need to do. But when I would go to the place of the Holy spirit and, and listen to his voice, I would weep uncontrollably. And it was tapping into a place in me that I had blocked off for so many years that it opened up the ability to feel again and it opened up the ability to really love and so um if that if that ability to it's like you can have pain without love but you cannot have love without pain and that's a quote that's a quote that's that's that i've carried with me for a long time is love suffers long and so much of religious christianity says uh, the blessed life. And there's nothing wrong with the blessed life because I think our lives are blessed when we, when we walk with God, but Jesus was a man deeply acquainted with sorrow and grief and he understood suffering. And I think when we discount that and we glaze over that and we try and look at all the, the fluffy parts of what we want out of Christianity, that undercuts our ability to walk through challenges with grace and with joy. And the Bible says that when we encounter challenges, we, or, or persecution or trials, we are to face them and with joy, knowing that it's producing for us a crown of life if we endure it with faith. So losing my son, that was the most painful thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Nothing can prepare you for losing a child. And you both are parents, you understand the depth of of love and um, overwhelming sense of of passion. It's like it it ignites something inside of you to have your very own flesh and blood. And to lose him, he was two months old and he passed away in a nap. Can you tell us his name? um, Benjamin. Yeah. is a great name. He's, 
Yes, we have a little memory book of him in our home and, and we've that. told our boys about them. And um, our older son, who's five, Cyrus, he actually said that he had a dream that he went to heaven and saw Benjamin and that he fed a lamb in heaven. Yeah. Well, let me tell you so, this, and I know this is a side note, but in you know, my sister and I lost, we lost a brother. And I know that we were living when we <clears throat> when we lost our brother. Um, she was one and I was like three and a half, almost four years old. But let me tell you, your sons will always <clears throat> him and there will always uh -huh. be like that. There's something about it. Like it doesn't matter uh -huh. that they weren't well. Technically, I guess Cyrus was there, right? So um, they will yes. they will always know because you always feel that that there's a piece or a part of you, even to this day. Oh, I'm yes. I'm 36 years old, and so if my brother was alive, he was a few months younger than Joe, so they would be the same wow. age. And I go out, and I've told this to Joe, but I I go out and I sit at his graveside at this age, at 36 years old. And I talked to him and I, you know, and I, and I remember, and so, and, and my sister does the same and she was one, you know, but there's still something about knowing that that mm -hmm. person was a being at some point, you know, and part of the family. Yeah. And so it's, it's a huge thing and, and it can, and it can affect your entire family, but any, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted you just, even though I'm sure you already knew that, like your sons will always know, yeah. and that will be a part of their life too, for as long as they live, no matter what their age Absolutely. is. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. In fact, just the other day, Cyrus, my five-year-old out of the blue said, I miss, I miss Benjamin. Mm, I love that. And he never met him. He never met him. He was Cyrus was in the womb when I lost my son unbeknownst to me. Um, but he he has a connection so you asked how did you know i i kept my faith in god through losing my son um yes i think my childhood helped give me just a perspective on pain you know that you do experience pain in life so i wasn't it wasn't the first time i ever had intense grief in my life of course this was a different level of grief losing my son but i have built I, I believe this um, with all of my heart that I just from, I mean, even from a young age before I was even married as six and at like eight, I don't know. I had some very significant experiences with, with God. And I just knew without a doubt that he was real and that he loved me. And that was just an intrinsic knowledge that I kept all my life, even in, through the ups and downs of things not going how I thought they would or being very disappointed or feeling like things were unfair or why God did you allow this to happen? It never changed the fact that I knew God loved me and he was with me, that he was real. I just couldn't let that go because of some situations that happened to me when I was a child. And losing my son, I... I, yes, I had anger because that's a huge part of grief, but I can't say that I was angry at God. I had this understanding and this was, this was a couple of months. This was probably about a month before Benjamin was born. I felt God asking me, 
if I trusted him with my son. And he asked me three times, do you trust me, Anna, with your son? And it was just as clear as day to me. And I journaled it down and I was like, of course, of course I trust you, God, you're good. You've all these scenarios of different stories of things that could not have been coincidence where God provided for me and took care of me. Yes, I trust you again. Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you again for the third time. Do you trust me with your son? And at that point, I was like, I'm not sure now, because now you've asked me three times, I'm uncertain. Right. And I began to search myself and kind of say, okay, where, where am I with that? And I was like, God, are, are you, is something going to happen? Is, am I going to lose my baby and my belly? Is my, am I going to have a stillbirth? Or, you know, because I was about eight months pregnant at that point. And I started getting fearful. And it was then that God dropped this deep understanding in me that my children don't belong to me. Nothing belongs to me. I've been given as a gift and as a loan on this earth. Everything belongs to God. It's all his. He's generous and kind and loving and good. And he blesses us. And it says every good and perfect gift comes from above. So I have this deep understanding that he's, he's just mine to borrow for a time. And when I lost him, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Wow. He was never mine. He was never mine. Wow. Yes, he was given to me for a time and it was so precious. And I treasure every minute that I got with him. But God's, and he's back with God. Hmm. I trust God. And I, this is just my own personal thing, but every day I would ask God if it was for probably six months every day, say, God, what's Benjamin doing in heaven right now? And God would give me these vivid images of him floating on a river fishing with Jesus or going on a walk along the ocean. And he'd be all different ages. He'd be old, he'd be young, he'd be middle-aged, he'd be a teenager, all different ages. And I realized, why is he all these different ages? This is kind of weird. And it, and it like struck me one day. I was just wasn't even thinking about it. It was like, there's no such thing as time. He can be any age at any time. And that's just my own personal belief. Um, but that, that was, um, that was just something that carried me through and, and really not for a moment did I doubt that, that God is good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it, it's, it's different. My husband and I have dealt with our grief in that sense very differently and that's perfectly okay. Um, we're, we're just on different journeys. Don't you think, men, God, but, don't you think men deal with grief differently in general though? Or maybe I'm wrong. I guess it depends on the man, huh? Yeah, I think I think most men do. They tend to compartmentalize and they can shut things off for a long time and keep going. And and of course he had to go back to work and provide for a family. And I was I found out two weeks after he passed away that we were pregnant with another child. So there wasn't a lot of space for him to just lay around and cry and process and pray. And, you know, he had to, he had to go back and, and do life. So his, his grief got put off for a long time. And, and I think more in the last couple of years has it hit him a lot harder and he's had a little bit more space to process it. And it's, um, you know, a grief has a way of coming back up if you haven't dealt with it and, and getting itself out to be, to be seen and, and recognized and appreciated and, and processed. So, um, yeah. 
Wow. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think it, it um, shows a lot of, I don't know if maturity is the right word, but um, I, I think a lot of, a lot of people have a kind of like an expectation of how life is supposed to go. And I, I don't know, I, I kind of see people usually go in one of two directions. One, one direction is, is kind of more the, I think the route that you took, which is not hoping that the world's going to be different and just kind of accepting reality as it is and moving through life in that capacity. And the other way is um, taking more of a mindset of just being disappointed at, at how things are and how things turn out. And um, my, my feeling and my belief is that choosing to accept things the way that they are in all of life's curveballs and um, trials and, and whatnot is um, it's kind of the only way that you can make it because right. there's always going to be something that is going to happen that you didn't anticipate. Uh, it's harder than you thought you could deal with, or it's just, you know, up, upsetting in, in whatever way. And to, to just kind of recognize it for what it is. It doesn't mean that you, you just accept it uh, necessarily, but it's this, it's this kind of different posture or attitude about how to deal with things uh, in, in, you know, that you're just going, it is what it is. And I, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's how it is. And so how do I grow from this and how do I continue to, um, I don't know, like how, how do I still find gratitude in some way? Or like you're saying, trusting that God is good or that he, there's, there's some plan. Um, so I think that says a lot about your, your mindset or, you know, where you're at with, with, um, dealing with like super hard stuff. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's has to be a space allowed in your life to feel and then deal. And if you're not feeling and you're just dealing, you're dealing and not feeling. <laughs> um, you are you are just pushing back your breakdown, basically. Yep. And it's gonna get you at some point. And that's and that's been a big part of of my journey. And you know, when I kind of briefly mentioned going through a lot of anger, it it never was about because I lost my son, because I think I allowed myself, I was in a place in my life where I was very tender and I allowed myself to feel every feel of that loss and cried every last tear I could Mm. possibly cry and go to the hard questions. And and I felt a lot of guilt for him passing away. And I, I, I had to deal with that. And there was just a lot of feeling and a lot of dealing and in a healthy way, I believe. And a lot of my past, my childhood, it was a lot of just just plowing through and blocking it. And so as a becoming a parent and having things come up in me mm. as a parent, and I realize, wow, this, this experience reminds me so much of what I experienced as a child, realizing I need to grieve what happened in my childhood. I'm, I'm 29 years old. And I'm just now grieving things that happened when I was nine. Yeah. 
and it's coming out hot and heavy. And it's, it's hard because I, often I lose it in front of my children and just fall on the floor in a heap. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Mommy hurts. I hurt. And I need Jesus and I need God's healing. And it's showing them, I think it's modeling for them that we're not supposed to try and live with our lives all put together in a nice little box with a bow on top. It's saying, I'm a mess. I can't do this on my own. And you're a mess. You can't do this on your own. You know, it's like I'm having temper tantrums over here next to my five-year-old. He starts melting down. I start melting down. I'm learning to take control over my, you know, my amygdala and all the the fight or flight craziness that's basically run my life, the majority of my, you know, being alive. Um, so, you know, a big part of that is, is reading. I read a ton. I, I you know, I, sp- I spend time with, with God and I, I grow my spirit, but I'm also learning, like, you have to kind of incorporate the whole self. So eating healthy has been a big thing for me and, and really in, inhibiting and inhabiting, inhabiting my body. Um, I, I think I've lived so separated um, that things, I haven't been in touch with my body and my mind and my emotions have not been in alignment, if that makes sense. Just kind of been all over like, okay, here's my Christian self and I'm over here doing Christian things and it's good and that's healthy, but then I'm over here having rage sessions. So why is that happening? And I'm over here having major digestive issues. My body's completely out of sync. I'm just tired all the time. What is going on? And so as I read about the spirit and the, the kind of, okay, so this is a huge, this book right here, Anatomy of the Spirit. This is not a Christian book, but I'm a Christian and I've read it. It's Caroline Miss, M-Y-S-S. It's the seven stages of power and healing. And I read this in my yoga training. So I'm a, I'm a yoga instructor and I read this in my yoga training and it changed my life. It talks about the chakras. So that's, you know, oh, we're not that worried about that. Will. Well, I'm not. Anything, but. <laughs> um, but it just talks about um, just finding these different areas of our life where everything is, is disintegrated. It's all over the place. And as you check in and it starts with the the physical body and you've got these ailments in your stomach and, or maybe in your spleen or your kidney and it's connected to this chakra. And then what's in this chakra. Okay. It's, that's like, um, and the, the spirit of, uh, I don't remember like all the, all the chakras, there's like seven chakras, but this, this line of energy and in our bodies, how we carry in different parts of ourselves connection and this actually is it's a physical thing in our spine out of our spine all of our organs are connected to different parts of our spine and so it's the same thing with the energy circuits in our spine there's different parts of our our emotional self that's connected to it so with the digestive issues it's always there's like that's kind of where we hold our emotions but that that's anger every time that's unforgiveness and that's all these things and so as i've read i I went through my my yoga training almost a year ago and it just broke things down for me in a way that it just there was so many aha moments for me started connecting in okay ah aha 
And as I began to accept these darker sides of myself and almost like befriending the shadow side, mm. finding a way to integrate the dark with the light and accepting myself as a whole person, my body, my mind, my spirit, my, my physical, emotional, mental, all the things that make up me, all the things that make up you right. are valuable loved, accepted. You can't, you can't reject those other parts of you because you're meant to be a whole integrated self, whole integrated person. So, um, I, I wanted to make a comment real quick because, um, something that I think is really interesting, um, in this line of what you're talking about is that, um, you know, somewhere along the way in my, my journey and it it really kind of started with personal development um when i started getting into that uh, i started consuming a lot of personal development books which are basically self-help books um, i started finding this trend of it talking about the importance of you know like meditation and affirmations and things like that and um mm -hmm. and and i i found as i started doing that that like you're talking about, it has a lot to do with uh, being in your body and feeling what's going on in your body. And um, that's, that's something that when I discovered that, um, I mean, one, I never knew that was an option growing up because right. if you talked about meditation or chakras or anything, which I don't really know a lot about the chakras, but if you know, if you were at church and you brought up chakras or meditation, it's like, <laughs> guess forbid. who's getting prayer circled? You are. <laughs> um, so I, it was just, it was not anything that was ever an option, and mm -hmm. I just find it kind of fascinating. And I don't know how this happened because you know that that's kind of like an Eastern line of thinking about things. Like all of those types of practices mm -hmm. are very Eastern based, right? Mm -hmm. um, right? I don't know how it became disconnected with Western thought and Christianity that like, there's not a lot of consideration for your body, you know, and like the meditation exercises that I've done, uh, you know, it's not like summoning up uh, Hare Krishna or something. Right. It's basically right. just like, um, <laughs> Sitting down and breathing and feeling like your head to your shoulders, knees, toes, whatever. Lots of breathing. And, yes. and like I was my mind was my I mean, my head pretty much exploded when I started doing that because <laughs> like you realize you spent so much of your life. For me, it was, oh, I feel stressed out and anxious. I, I need to have more quiet time or like get in the word or whatever which there's some validity to that. But, you know, uh, I'm just kind of thinking about the fact that like even in church, right? you know, I'm, I'm not a shining example of health by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, right? You like, look lovely. I, I, could, I could do a little bit <laughs> apartment, but I'm just thinking like how many, how often would you be in church and like half of the congregation was like 40 pounds overweight mm. and like didn't, um, didn't take, they didn't really take care of their body. And, you know, I was talking about, um, I was talking about this with mom and, and recently about how I don't really, if I start feeling sad or something, I don't give myself 
the space to just say like, I think I'm depressed Mm -hmm. if I'm not eating healthy, exercising, like meditating, doing those things. Because if you're not, you don't really have a fighting chance of really feeling good. You know, if you're, if you're like the, the prayer warrior and you're always doing all of those things, but you're freaking 50 pounds overweight and you don't ever take time to breathe or feel your body. I don't know. Like, it seems like you're just going to feel terrible. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, so I guess I'm curious about yeah. what, what your thoughts are about that um, in relation to Christianity, like how all of that, does that fit together? Is there a disconnect? Like, I'm just curious your kind of thoughts about that. Or does it matter whether you have a religious belief or is it just that meditation's freaking good for you? (laughs) Well, you have a really good point because I felt the same way. And actually when I was in my yoga training, I thought, there was, there was just kind of this little thing going off of like, Oh, we're going into weird land here. We're going mm. into the chakras, you know, everyone's <laughs> going to get out the crystal, their crystals and their, their little beads and start doing weird chants. And in this book, the anatomy of the spirit, it talks about the tribal thinking. We, we grew up with this very like narrow version of, of, God and, and it very religious. And I don't think it served us very well um, in the long run. Um, teaching people to, I don't know, it, that's a whole nother thing. But yes, I do believe that there's a space for connecting in with your body. And of course, I'm a, being a yoga in, instructor, I've, I've looked into the physical, just, just sheer physical benefits of yoga, of meditation, of breathing exercises and what it physically scientifically does for your body. Even if you're not worshiping Hare Krishna or whatever, like you don't, you don't have to have a spiritual practice, but what I'm learning as I've absorbed all this information and, and from secular viewpoints and Christian viewpoints is we, there's so much complexity to who we are, but in the very narrow conservative Christian circles, it's, it's very disconnected. And there's, um, there's not the, like what you're saying, there's not the space to say, Hey, is, can I also love God and meditate? Can I also love God and do yoga? Because I've, I've had people in the very conservative Christian circle ask me and say, um, are you sure about yoga? You might want to double check into that because I'm pretty sure it's worshiping the devil. And I'm like, you know, I appreciate your concern, but yes, I've looked into this and this is personally what I feel called to. And I actually have a desire to integrate both of mm-hmm. them together and see it really benefit people. Because like what you're saying, Joe, someone can be a prayer warrior spending, you know, two hours a day with God and, listening to all the right podcasts and, you know, really spiritual involved in their church. They can be super overweight. They can secretly have a lot of depression and anxiety. There can be all these things because they're not listening to their body. Mm-mm. They're, they're kind of denying themselves as we've been kind of taught to do and just, just kind of like continue to do all the things and hope it gets better. 
when we're really like, wait a minute, God is the creator of the body. That's right. So he knows that my, you know, when I'm angry and I'm holding bitterness, my digestive system is going to be out of link. Mm -hmm. And when my spine is all cranky and weird, like maybe I should do some yoga because that's actually going to help bring into alignment my emotions because everything's out of whack right now. So I, I'm personally very passionate about seeing people, um, I guess reaching people where they're at, sharing with them God's love and acceptance and hope and also bringing in, Hey, you know what, there's this other part of yourself and, and it's that, that shadow side, you know, and like accepting that coming to accept that. And you know what, when you come into this place of meditation or say, I'm meeting the very um, Western thinking kind of out there, Mm -hmm. new agey people, finding them in that place where they're all the way over here and they're only relying on yoga and meditation and mindfulness and healthy eating and all the things. And yet there's still a place in them that's lacking. There's still something missing and bringing the two, the two worlds together and, and into this beautiful marriage of God created your body. He created your mind. He created your soul. And if we can bring all of these things together you're not that everything's going to be perfect and right, right, in the world, right. but there's going to be a click into place of all the things. And it, it just makes sense. And then when we're set free in that way, then we can really go out into the world and, and offer our gifts and, and bless others with what we've been created to do, what is inside of us to offer the world. And so anyway, that right. I feel passionate about that of, you know, just, bringing those worlds together and, and seeing people thrive in, in all the areas. So. I love that. That's beautiful. Awesome. Oh, that's great. So that's, that's kind of what you're doing now, right? You're launching uh, a yoga lifestyle brand, I think I heard. Is it- it's yeah, it's, it's very organic. Um, I'm not really sure where it's going to take me or or what it will develop into, but um, I've wanted to launch something for a while and not necessarily yoga. um, Although I've been interested, I've done yoga for many years and I've been interested in it, but I mean, I've, I'm a seven, so I'm kind of wanting to be all up in everything, you know, I've tried uh, the MLM a couple times and Mm -hmm. that just didn't work um, for me. Never does. But um, <laughs> they, they, it does for some people. Um, yeah, I just haven't met him. <laughs> I guess the I, it's sort of organically being created as we speak, if you will. Um, but it. ultimately, um, it yeah. came to me the other day on a walk. It's it's called Collective Joy Yoga. Awesome. And it's just the idea of especially in light of COVID and all the isolation of people doing by themselves in their house locked up, that's miserable and horrible for your body. And whoever told us that was going to make the world healthy is lying to us. Okay. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, so being there are, there are scientific studies and books and manuscripts written on the, the benefits of collective movement 
and when we sweat together, we grow together. And just being together with people, even if we're not working out together, there's power in that. It makes us healthier. It creates unity with people and in ourselves and self-acceptance. It's so powerful. So the collective, there's a book called The Joy of Movement. And it talks about all of that of just, I've mentioned like so many books. I, I don't, um, it's, well, it's called um, the, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. Isn't that what you do with podcasts? Okay. We'll put it in the show yeah. notes and everyone can Google it. This is 2020. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. How exercise helps us find happiness, hope, connection, and courage. Okay. So I have not personally read the whole book, but it is fantastic. And I heard a podcast on it and it, it just really struck me. So um, collective joy yoga is what I'm hoping will bring people back together. And there's a way to do it safely. I'm not being reckless. And you're starting this you know, in McKinney, Texas. Yes. Okay. So in our neighborhood, I've reached out to our HOA to start teaching at our school, just to offer some free classes mm-hmm. for people to kind of get out, get their bodies moving, learn about yoga. Um, I'm hoping to um, get just more studio experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything's a little bit weird right now with studios. So we'll see how that goes. Um, But also doing zoom sessions with, with people who maybe they have never done yoga before and they're, they're like nervous to go in a class. And so I can like, would this be private clients or yes? Yeah. Private yoga clients. Awesome. I would take them through a personalized yoga flow and um, yeah, I can see them, so I'm able to help them with their alignment through the video. And, and it's also for people who want just to have regular flows to do with a person um, instead of just throwing a little YouTube video on and, and then everybody in between, you know, who wants anyone who wants to grow their practice or advance, whatever. So um, there's a million people out there doing this, but I believe that I offer something unique and special in that, um, just bringing that acceptance and <clears throat> the knowledge that I have that I've gained over the last couple of years about the body and how our, our minds and our bodies and our spirits all connect and everything's connected and how not just the physical part, but there's, there's always going to be something going on. If you've got digestive issues and nothing's fixing it, there's probably, there's probably some unforgiveness going on in your life there and might want to, maybe we could, there's space to talk about it. So you're so thinking, I want it to be, well, so you're going to take, you know, yoga and you're going to create this physical aspect, but you can do this as well and connect with, yes. okay, maybe this issue might, could be going on potentially. So maybe this should yeah. be addressed as well. Maybe in yeah. your private life. Building, or... building organic relationships with people with yoga being the starting point, because a lot of people who get into yoga, they're searching, they're looking to, to grow beyond themselves. If that makes sense. They're, they're wanting to get in touch. They're wanting to get in touch with themselves. So Yoga is the platform, but really wanting to get into the deeper stuff that really help people advance beyond the, the just basic things that trap people, you know, every day that they just can't get over. I think, I think I want to see it turn into kind of like coaching, one-on-one coaching type thing, the health coach 
sort of situation, but I don't know. It's very, very fresh. So we'll see what happens. Um, our, um, our resident Promise Rhodes is helping me with my branding. So I'm excited to see. Yeah. I'm excited about that. It's going to be, I mean, I know she and I are like, yeah, like sign us up, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I think it's going to be awesome. And what a great space. And I mean, McKinney of all places, I feel like that's a really good place to get started as well. And, and that, you know, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. We don't know what the hell's going on, but the thing is the, the great thing about technology is here you are and you literally have the world at your fingertips. So you can touch people over in other countries at the same time. And that's what I think is so beautiful about the whole thing. Even in, you know, you obviously I'm a seven, I'm going to look for the positive. Right. So that's right. What I'm going to look at. Right. And so, but I think it's, a, yeah. you know, obviously you can touch people in your own community, but then also throughout the entire world. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and people need it because I have done oh, yeah. enough work myself, even in like neo-emotional technique and stuff like that to know your body affects everything. Like what you intake affects mm-hmm. your whole life. So that's what this book is all about. The body keeps the score. That's the one you told me to get. I'm going to get it. I promise. It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. I, I, I reread every chapter. It's just phenomenal. I have to get but it. But he talks about yoga. He talks about yoga. And that's nerds, awesome. Learning to inhabit your body. And when we begin to inhabit our body and feel, yeah, we feel the sensations in our body, something opens up internally and we're able to go into those places. And I mean, if you've, ever taken yoga before or really and a lot of this has is connected with just physical exercise but you do an exercise maybe you go for a long run or you do a yoga class and you you kind of go into the place of stretching and resting afterwards Mm -hmm. and there's an emotional release there's something that opens up and you almost want to cry Mm -hmm. or laugh or talk to someone about an idea you have something releases and I think with yoga being the starting point it, it will automatically lead people into that place of, of openness and readiness to, to dive into some of those harder places that would not be as enjoyable or desirable to go into, or even that they would feel the draw to do until right. they're in that space. But they're, they've just gone through a class, they've sweat, they've worked, they've, they've stretched, now they're laying down in Shavasana at the very end and they're they're released, they've released this tension and the stress and, and now something's unlocked and mm. they, they think about this hard relationship that they're in that's really bugging them and, and it goes from there. So I'm excited, I'm really excited to see where it goes and um, I'm just going for it. You know, I'm not doing everything right and I, Lord knows, I don't know how to use technology. Um, so doing the online thing is, I have everything in me is fighting against it because I'm, like the eight is very, very um, individualistic, wanting to do things against the grain, not wanting to follow trends at all. I'm not looking to be an Instagram influencer. I just, I just want to get into that space with people and see them have the light bulb go off like it's done for me. Like it's happened for me in a lot of yoga classes and just learning about myself mm. and, and get healing and become, you know, in the cliche sense, a better version of themselves. So that's amazing. I look forward to, um, yeah, I look forward to that. And I, I feel drawn specifically to, to people who've experienced trauma because that's what this, the body keeps a score so much about. It's brain, it's brain, mind, and body and the healing of trauma. Yeah. So, 
um, when people can inhabit their body and feel, um, people who've experienced trauma, they're so disconnected from their body. Yep. They, they almost live in this, this mm -hmm. outer body experience most of their life until they start um, really kind of having that mindfulness, checking in with their breath and feeling, feeling their body then there, there becomes this, this journey towards healing. So, man, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I think, I think you're going to do great. And I think if, if anyone can succeed at something like that, it'll be, it'll be uh, somebody like you. Absolutely. So the biggest question, Thanks, where do our listeners find you? Every option, oh. email, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so they need, I'm, I'm they're going to need this. <laughs> I'm telling you that you're going to, you're going to get a lot of feedback just from the, I mean, look, we don't have a lot of a massive amount of followers, but we have enough that I literally sitting here going through my head and I know people that are going to contact you because they need this in their life. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I'm really honored. I'm just, I'm honored y'all would invite me on here and honor for anyone who you can consider connecting with me. Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, email, Facebook. Just your name. Your personal often. Instagram. So would they look up Anna Decker or do you have a different call name or? So my yoga Instagram is still in the works. So I haven't okay. created that yet. You can just find my personal Instagram. Okay. That works. Um, and that's, it's a longer handle. It's Anna Rebecca Decker. <laughs> That's okay. So look, find me there. I'm on, I'm usually posting new stories every day um, about my kids and the crazy things they do. My little Jasper with his wild curly hair. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I posted some stuff about yoga on there, but my my yoga Instagram will mostly be, you know, it won't be my personal. It'll have more business stuff, but. Um, yeah, and then I do have um, an email that's connected to my business. It's okay. collectivejoy.yoga at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. And if, if anyone's interested in just learning more about yoga or, or healing from trauma, I would love to um, connect with anyone who is interested. Find me on email, um, Facebook, Anna Decker. Yep. And we'll connect all that, your email and your Instagram to uh, when we release this podcast, we'll make sure that's connected as well in the website as well. So um, I think a, a good ending note would be, um, could you share if you could boil down some uh, bullet points, it didn't have to be any specific amount, uh, what, what are your, I guess, tenets of health and in in what you're practicing in daily life maybe top three things what are your tenets of health and how is that a is there a practical application for people to um pursue that i guess in light of covid if there's any kind of adaption to that right now that's a good question um i guess my three pillars of health would be we knew you had some <laughs> <laughs> Um, nutrition has been a huge, huge part of my journey, um, eating healthy, you know, fueling my body properly to function somewhat properly. That's been a big one. What um, does eating healthy look like to you though? Because so many people have different ways. Um, you know, I mean, somebody's like of... vegan, vegetarian, keto, oh, yeah. like, yeah. you know, 
what does that look like to you? Not in, you know, just the short version of it, but short version. Um, just eating whole foods. Whole so foods. I like that. I've done the vegan, I've done paleo, I've done vegetarian, I've done pescatarian. Pes- is that a word? Pescatarian? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Whatever. <laughs> fish. The one where you only eat fish. Yes. I love fish. Um, I've, I've tried a lot of the keto. I mean, I've tried a lot of different things and, and it's never been to lose weight. It's just because I've had a lot of digestive issues. So I've done elimination diets and things like that, but um, just eating whole foods. So knowing what you're putting in your body and just being actually being um, conscious as you eat it. So that sounds strange, but um, okay. Here's another book. Think and Eat Yourself Smart by Caroline Leaf. This is a Christian. She's a neuro, she is a, um, a neuroscientist, phenomenal speaker, phenomenal author, very, very intelligent and smart. Very you can steady. literally change the way you think if I understand her right. Like, or the way you, your brain yes. processes. It's amazing. Neuroplasticity. And yeah, so she talks about just whole foods. And when you're actually taking time, you're gonna, okay, so this is a bad habit of mine, is to eat while I'm standing. And I'm, I'm very fast paced. I don't like to do anything slow. I, I feel like I'm always rushing my kids to everything for no reason, just because I like to rush. Um, so consciously eating, um, not eating, you know, your shake in the car or your bar in the car or your burger in the car while you're driving with your knee, you're not thinking about what you're eating. You're just eating and going on with the next thing at this rapid pace. It's slowing down, being conscious about what you're about to eat and then being conscious as you eat it. If your body actually processes the food, even if you're eating super healthy, and you're standing up and you're shoving it down your throat and you're going on to the next thing, your body's not able to assimilate that nutrition properly. So taking the time to sit down, notice what you're eating, notice how you're swallowing it. That sounds strange, but it's like that mind, it's the mindfulness in eating. And if you're having it, don't eat when you're stressed out because that's going to, that's immediately going to take your food and do something different with it. You can look into the science behind that. But um, slowing down, taking time, being mindful of what you eat, even if you're not eating the most healthy thing, if you're being mindful as you're eating it, it actually assimilates a lot more in a, in a more healthy way, essentially. Uh, that's, that's huge, actually. After I had my first daughter, I um, kept eating, you know, I stopped nursing and then I kept eating like I was pregnant and nursing and gained that 25 pounds right back. Um, but I ended up it, you know, whatever, finding different ways. But the whole thing was that I came to was this con this consciousness of while you were eating. It was not standing up and eating. It was taking smaller bites. It was cutting my food, you know, like instead of eating like the triple Big Mac, but, but, but whatever, you know, you'd like, again, it's obviously I want to eat healthy, but it's about what you're saying. Being conscious about what you're doing it made a huge difference. And I actually you know, ended up losing more weight than before I even got pregnant with my first child because I was like, oh, conscious about this. And I ate till I was just full instead of like overfeeding uh-huh. myself every time, you know, because I was paying attention. See, that's it. Simply paying attention. Isn't that incredible? Mm-hmm. The power of our minds. Yeah. Yeah. So nutrition's huge. Nutrition's kind of the first thing that got me into all of my healing journey. Because um, I had a lot of digestive issues, a lot of fatigue and Um, brain fog and everything. So that's a big one. Um, And and I'm not, I I don't eat super crazy. I don't eat 
you know, gluten, -free. I did gluten free and all dairy free and all that <laughs> for a while. I still do dairy free, but that's just because I, I think it, I do better with it, but everybody's different. Everybody's body actually, um, is just kind of made up metabolically different. And so what's really great for me might not be really great for it, you know, any one of my clients. So right. it's really finding, um, what fuels your body well. And, um, there's kind of different ways that you can figure that out, but Nutrition's a big one. Um, consistency. So for me, having a consistent schedule really helps. Um, so I, and, and a big part of that is exercise. So I work out just about every day. Um, and that, that might not be a healthy ideal for everybody. Do you just do yoga um, or not, do you do other exercise uh, regimens or? Um, I'm, the majority of my workouts are yoga. And it's, and there's all different types of yoga. So it's not just sitting on your mat, like meditating and right. then doing some down dog. It's, there's all <laughs> sorts of different yogas that right. are really challenging and you'll sweat. Like my hair is a mess because I went to hot yoga this morning <laughs> and I still haven't showered. Oh no, that's bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yoga, I do, I do weight training. I do a little bit of cardio and conditioning, not much because I lose weight very quickly. So for me, a big challenge is like putting up, like holding muscle and keeping that feel. weight. Right. Um, yeah. So I do, um, I've been working with a personal trainer a little bit with, um, with some weight training and just some of these more dynamic movements with weights. That's been really helpful. I've definitely gained some strength and that helps a lot in my yoga practice. Um, so doing that kind of having some key things that are just consistent in my day. So making sure I'm getting nutritious food, exercising regularly, and then having some kind of space for my creativity has been, has been really huge. So I play guitar. I've had, um, honestly, like spending time with my plants is <laughs> really therapeutic for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get really, really sad. One of my plants got these bugs on them and it started like wilting and dying. And I was like almost in tears. Um, I found that earlier today. So for me being with my plants, just gardening, being in dirt, getting dirty, that's, that's huge. So, or just something that like makes me come alive. So writing, mm -hmm. um, reading, um, I really love to journal. So journaling, um, playing guitar, writing songs, just like, exercising my creativity is really big. So those are kind of my three things, I guess. That's awesome. Uh, a given, a given is like, I spend time with God every, you know, most every morning I try. I try. Do, that, do you do that um, before your kids wake up or? Yeah, that's the goal. Um, my, my five-year-old <laughs> goes to kindergarten and we have to leave the house at seven fifteen. Oh, so Lordy. I have to get up. I have to get up pretty early. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Kind of a few things, I guess. So. That's great. Has any of those yeah. things changed since COVID has hit? Uh, have you had mm. to kind of modify or adapt that in any way? Well, I hate to admit it, but I honestly, we were in San Diego. We had our, we did, we could not afford a gym membership on top of the $3,000 we were paying a month for our apartment. That's so crazy. So our apartment had a gym. Our apartment had a gym, which was awesome. And yoga studios, they even offered free yoga classes. I was going to teach there. I was super pumped. 
Um, and so when COVID happened, the gym shut down, everything shut down and I was left to my own devices, which was just doing yoga <laughs> on my own in my house. And you would think being a yoga instructor, I do that like all day, every day, but to be honest, I enjoy, I have babies. I enjoy doing yoga with other people. Yes, I do yoga on my own every now and then, but I prefer to be around other people. I'm very extroverted. So just, it's hard for me just to like do a bunch of yoga on my own in the quiet space. That's hard. So for like four months, I'm just now getting back into working out after like four or five months of not doing a whole lot. So um, it's been painful, but <laughs> I'm glad to be back in. So yeah, that changed for me big time. And and I was surprised. I expected myself to, I, I think I did maybe like three weeks of like workouts that I had planned and whatever, you know, I'm going to do my push-ups and my burpees. And I was like, screw this. I, I'm not even seeing it. Like no one cares. Um, so yeah, I, so I didn't work out much. Um, yeah. So that changed. But not, but that's now. like true of most people. Is that all of us? Over this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, and it's like, it's, go ahead. Well, it was, it was like the worst for me because that was um, getting into the gym and having a regular exercise routine was like a huge saving grace for me in the last couple yes. of years, um, especially mm -hmm. when um, I was going through my divorce. Like I had to do something with myself right, right. <laughs> and um, instead of drugs, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just like stress management period. And so that was, oh, yes. man, I, I mean, I really never exercised my whole life. I, I did sports and stuff, but um, that one was like a co complete game changer for me. So I knew that that was a huge deal and I experienced the benefits of it, of like going and doing a pretty hard workout and then no in doing a meditation and then going to work knowing that like any kind of bullshit could fly my way and i would just be and like you're totally fine yeah just like totally <laughs> ready yep. to roll with it so coming back to texas and having covid hit um all the gyms closing down you know i i don't i can't make that really ultimately the excuse because i could have found other ways but it was, it's just so much easier if you have everything at your, you know, fingertips, which yeah. is why gyms exist. Cause, mm -hmm. um, but the, you know, the gyms fortunately have opened, opened have, back up. They and, have opened, which is great. Yeah. But what sucks is like they open, open back up. And I was like, Oh God, like I need this so bad. And <laughs> he's going I, back. I have not. I, I went, first thing I did was <laughs> I went and got bought some pre-workout which is kind of what i do and probably not at the top of the health uh suggestion list it's like 90 percent niacin just yes. tingles and your body's on oh, fire you're like i'm ready i'm ready i'm gonna kill someone <laughs> some fucking waves. Yeah. yeah so, come, so true. come off of like three or four months of not exercising crank a couple scoops of pre-workout go straight to the gym and no. do the hardest maxed Joseph. out kettlebell workout you can do back injury like second day <laughs> and then i was out for yeah. like another week and then yeah. I, like i had this pain in my right butt cheek for like a month <laughs> that was a result of that thing i'm not even kidding like every time i sit down in my office like, chair mm. i'm like i feel it so i guess i need to go to a chiropractor or something yes but, that would be yes. yeah well yes. what were you doing that the eight motion what was that about 
The eight, all or nothing, all yeah. or nothing. I like just that. go full blast. <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna destroy my body because it needs to get in shape. Yeah, they just go full force. And then you f yourself up like that. <laughs> yep, yep. But hey, this is a good thing to know about your type, Joe. Or our type. Eights carry the most energy of all the numbers, the most energy. And we, more than any other type, need the physical release. Yeah. So if you, you got to figure out some way, go run, lift something, throw something, go play basketball, whatever, getting out and just moving every single day. And you'll feel, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You need to release physically something. He literally like calls me before the podcast. He's like, Hey, like, I don't know when you're going to get to the house, but I'm out. I'm like, I'm going to go walk. I'm going to go run. Like, he's like, I'll be back when I'm back, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. If I'm, if I'm feeling anxious or if I'm feeling a certain way, I know that I can go blast out some burpees or some kettlebells and everything will be just fine. That in a, oh, in a uh, me- so quick good. meditation and Joe's good to roll. Yeah. <laughs> It's a revelation. If it's you true, did, if you didn't know that that was available to you and that it would affect your mood, you know, like everyone thinks about exercise and stuff as getting fit. Mm-hmm. For me, it was not. I I was I didn't I never had the goal of like, yeah, I'm gonna get ripped and blah blah, blah all that yeah. stuff. It was just like I need my mood to change and I need to feel more energy and not like constant fatigue. And it it worked yes. like oh, like almost it helps me streamline my thoughts too like yeah. so my my mind becomes more clear for some reason oh yeah so, for sure yeah yeah i, I give really i give him a hard early. time but he's no i know it's good for him and okay. all of us thank you so much for coming on Anna. i think uh, that was one of our best podcasts yeah i do too and i know I, I i said it earlier i'm not like blowing smoke i know it's going to help a lot of people and a lot of people are going to follow you because of it because they people need this in their life and especially in a time like this everybody feels like oh. and so if they can have something that can kind of guide them that you know we all need that we need a little guiding light in our life so absolutely now more than ever now more than ever yeah we're excited yeah. so we will make sure and tag you and all of your information and all of our posts and everything because it's a it's a good thing and we really appreciate you coming on and sharing and, and being so open with us yep yeah absolutely it was a pleasure thank you awesome thank you well i'm cecilia rose and i'm joe hammeter that's been another episode of tricky situations, situations. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh,